Welcome back to Be Great With Nate. I got a book deal and I'm getting published and my book will be published next year. In this journey, I've learned a lot. As I learned a lot, there was so much information it was really hard to find on the internet. And I'm extremely grateful that I had a coach. My coach was amazing. Not only did she help me overcome a lot of roadblocks I had with learning disabilities, struggle with writing and reading, my doubts about my writing, but she also got all my creativity on a piece of paper. And she has beautiful techniques. In today's podcast, I bring my coach Jeannie on to the podcast to share with you techniques and exercises along with the process on how to get a book deal. And if you're not trying to get published as a published author and you want to self-publish, this podcast will help guide you as well. Most of you have great stories. Most of you have great ideas, but you're holding yourself back from sharing it with the world. Maybe you're struggling with getting all these ideas into a book format, or maybe because you have self-doubt or have roadblocks similar to me as having issues with reading and writing. It doesn't matter what struggle you have. This podcast is going to help you. This podcast originally was going to be a course, and we turn, I'm turning it into a podcast because I want to be able to share with everybody. Now, during the podcast, you're going to see how amazing my coach Jeannie is. If you're someone that wants to work with Jeannie, I'm going to leave all of her information down below for you to be able to contact her and get your coaching on. And if you're thinking about getting coached by Jeannie, get on top of it really fast because she's going to get booked up really quick. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Be Great With Nate. Today, I have my amazing writing coach, Jeannie, here with me. And I can't wait to share my experience with you and her beautiful, beautiful teaching techniques. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm great. You look great. You look good, Nate. Thank you. You look great too. Thanks. (laughs) Today's podcast, I want to bring the audience through the beautiful journey that we've been through, along with some exercises they can do and some information on how to start a book. Last year, Sahara Rose gifted me sessions with you, where if she didn't gift me those sessions with you, to be quite honest, I wouldn't have been in the position I'm in today of getting an offer for the book that we've been working on. And I believe that your ability to your teaching uh, skills are just incredible, right? I came straight up on the phone with you on Zoom. Our first meeting, I told you, I said, listen, I have reading and writing issues my whole life. And you did not make me feel like that at all. You brought the best of me to, you know, writing. And, and I give huge credit to you on why I'm in a position that I'm in today. So thank you again for everything you've done for me. But then it turned out that actually when I read your writing, you are a really, really good writer. <laughs> So that's one of those things that writers are always coming up against. Like, I'm not a good writer. And mm-hmm. then I look at their work and it's like, yeah, you are. You're mm-hmm. a really good writer. And mm-hmm. I think it's because so many of us just got taught the wrong way, or we were told that the important things were the little fiddly grammatical things, like where to put a exclamation point and a comma. And none of that matters. None of that matters. It's all about being able to write your story and tell it in a powerful way. And most of us can do that. Yeah. No, I think you, you, you have a really, really great way of breaking complicated things down to be super simple. Yeah. That's so, the key, isn't it? That's the yeah. Key. Yeah. When you and I started, I came to with the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to have to write this whole book right now. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. And actually we didn't start with that. You brought me through some great exercises to open up my imagination. And I think you, uh, you know, as we continue to work together, you start to see, you know, what works for me, what didn't work for me. And you doubled down on the things that worked for me and wow. um, you made it so much easier for me. So in today's podcast, I want to bring 
then I'm going to go over some things that we've done and maybe you can bring them through some exercises. And then, um, and then I'll have some questions for you and then we'll have your contact information down in the description. So if people, you know, there's a lot of people listening right now that probably have, an, you know, some type of inspiration to want to write or part of their dream is to write, but they probably were, I was at one point where I was like, you know what? I don't know if I can do this. It seems very complicated. So we'll have your information down below so people can reach out to you. But the first thing that you did with me is you did this five minute exercise. Mm-hmm. You remember doing, what? what is that? And why do you do that? Well, tell me which one it was. So was you have it- me sit down and you said, give me what your book is about in five minutes right now. And you started a timer. And yeah. for the first like three minutes, I was panicking. And then it started flowing. So let me back up a little bit and I'll tell you the things that I think that I think that most people have something that they want to write. And mm-hmm. many people have a lot of ideas. And a big obstacle for people is picking out which one. Mm-hmm. And so one of the very first things that I ask writers to do is um to do a pressure exercise where exactly what you and I did, we really put the pressure on so that you don't have any time for nonsense. Mm-hmm. So the, the reason for that is because I don't think that writing is hard, but I think that it's hard to get started. And what most people need is they need pressure to get the creativity out of the tube. Mm-hmm. And Without that, you can dawdle, you can fiddle around, you can say someday, but then if you really actually want to write your story, you got to actually do it. Mm -hmm. So I ask people to start with paper and pen because I think it's an important medium for telling the truth. You know, like when you're on a keyboard, you can just type, delete, type, delete, mess around, clear things out. You can play around with that for quite some time before you actually write the truth. Mm -hmm. When you have a pen on paper, you're using your whole body, you're using your mind, you're using your creative spirit, you're using your imagination, you're getting your ideas down your neck, over your shoulder, out your arm, and onto the page. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot, and you tend to not mess around. Mm -hmm. So for people that have a lot of ideas and they don't know which one they want, to tell, and I think this is actually everybody. Yes. Is the pressure idea of let's do it now. Okay. Get out your pit, your paper and your pen and set your timer for two minutes and give me five good ideas that you could write about right now. Just write them down. Just go. Mm-hmm. Two minutes. Okay. That's the first one. And I hope that anybody that's listening today does this. Just hit pause, set your timer. And for me, write down your five best ideas. Don't filter, just write them down. The next stage, once you've done that, is set your timer for 30 seconds. Pick your top three. Mm. When you're done with that, set your timer for 10 seconds. Pick one. If you're not messing around, the one that you pick is the story you most want to tell. Mm. And that's an important question. What is the story you most want to tell? That's where you should start. Look at that. 
So you just answered like seven of my questions that I have here. <laughs> oh, now what are we going to talk about? No, no, we got a lot to talk about. That's very, but you see like that, that's so powerful, right? It seems so simple, but that's one of the things that we can go through as first time writers. Like, well, I can talk about this and I can talk about that and then we can get lost. But that exercise right there, what would you call that exercise? Uh, I usually just say, what is the story you most want to tell? Got it. Yeah. And people go, I don't know. I don't know. I could talk about this. I could write about that. And people also will do, you know, like they'll really downgrade their stories. Well, I could write about my grandmother's origin story, but you know, everybody writes about that. Or I could write about this thing, but mm, most want to tell is the story you ought to be writing. You introduced me when I first, so if they get the, they get the idea. Mm-hmm. What, what do they do with that idea? How do they go from that? How, how do they discover like what chapters or how many chapters? Well, we'll get there. But there's some prequel work. The other things that make people mess around and not write is motivation and inspiration. Mm-hmm. So motivation is I ask people to, again, hit the paper with your pen and answer the question, why do I want to write this? Because, you know, it is true that writing is difficult in that it requires a little bit of skill. It requires a lot of time and dedication, and it requires some discipline, right? So why would you want to do that? I mean, you've already spent your whole life not doing that. What's it going to take to make you do that now? Mm-hmm. And so I ask people to, to tell me, why do you want to write this story or this book or this article? And I ask people to take not more than two or three minutes to do that because I don't want a long sprawling answer. I want the actual reason. No Mm -hmm. messing around. Mm -hmm. Once you've decided why you're going to do it, then I want you to pick your audience. And I want you to pick your person. Mm -hmm. Your audience is, who do you want to read this book? Who is the person that you're actually writing it for. And I like people to get as specific as they can. And one way to do that is um, with the bookstore experiment. Yes. My favorite experiment, our favorite exercise, my favorite exercise you had me do. Yeah. And it had been a while since you'd been in an actual bookstore. With books on shelves. To be quite honest, that was my first time ever going to Barnes and Nobles. It was pretty powerful, huh? It was very powerful. What you had me do is you told me, go to the bookstore and find your book. And I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. And you're like, go to the bookstore, find your book, pick 10 books that catch your eye. And then you had me do a couple of things with that, like take certain pictures and stuff like that. And you started to really, I had no idea... Like I'd never been in a bookstore. I've been in a library in college for like doing studies and stuff, but I'd never been in a bookstore. So when we got finished with that call, went straight to Barnes and Nobles and I was looking for my book. And that was so powerful because I had questions on who was the reader. I had an idea. I had an idea what I wanted the book to be, but that right there kind of made everything, it, it made everything full circle for me at that moment. And when you say, why, what's the motivation behind the book? I remember doing that exercise with you. And you did a couple other things that were really powerful that got me to really, really tap into the book a little more. That bookstore exercise was extremely powerful. I think that right there gave me, it probably boosted my confidence 
because no offense, what I actually did too is I did research on each author. And then I'm like, if this author can do it, you know, learning about that author, I can do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so that was a powerful exercise. For for people who don't know what we mean by go find your book, books are shelved in a bookstore or the library in certain sections. There'll be the fiction section. The nonfiction section is huge. Usually like 80% of the bookstore is going to be nonfiction, mm-hmm. which means, um, you know, fiction means that it's not true. It's you're making up a story and nonfiction means that it is true. It's fact-based. So go find the area of the bookstore that would make the most sense for your book to be on that shelf. And for you, I think we had you look pretty specifically in fitness, self-help, spirituality, and not just one section. Your book can be shelved in many parts. So I wanted you to go and pick out books like yours. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that later. That's part of the book proposal process. Mm -hmm. But I also asked you to take a look at the people that are in those sections. Those are your readers. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they're not the people that you imagine are your readers. They're real different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a I had a another client not so long ago who is writing a a book that is um it's spirituality based. And she went to the section of her local bookstore and she expected to see people like herself. 20, 30 something young white female. Mm-hmm. And that isn't who was in the aisle that she was looking at. There was a man who was in his 60s. There was a black woman with her kids. There were so many people that she hadn't considered as her reader, her audience. And that really expanded her mind. Mm-hmm. And it read her up she was now able to write a better story because Mm -hmm. she knew it wasn't just I don't have to just target these people there are a lot of people that want to read this material so the exercise that I ask people to do it helps to go to the bookstore and find your book Mm -hmm. write down the people that are there add them into the people that you imagine or imagined before you went there are your audience. And don't take too long about it, but describe them as well as you can. Mm -hmm. Also, I am a big believer in visualization in that I really want you to describe the shelf that your book is sitting on. I want you to, the, the aisle that it's in, the windows on in either side, I really want you to build up a visual image of your book in the bookstore because that's part of the process of getting things done. You know, you can see it. Yeah. And I think you having me do those exercises did a couple things for me. Number one, it helped me get really focused on who my reader was. And I think that was extremely important because as soon as you start to really know who your reader is, the writing starts to flow. Yeah. Because when I first started, I was trying to write for everybody. So it helped me with that. Number two, when you start to take, when I was on those calls with editors from publishing houses, Mm -hmm. they were questioning, who's your reader? Who's going to pick up the book? 
And I was like, I practiced this a thousand times. And I yeah, was so confident. <laughs> we did this. We know. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. But who's your person? This is the last step in that exercise is, as we've mentioned, it takes a lot of time, motivation, dedication, all of that to continue writing. And I think it's important that you pick one person as your motivator. Who is the one person that, you know, when things get tough, you're going to write it anyways? Who's going to be the person that I am writing it for them? And for me, I was writing a book not so long ago. And my person was my daughter who was going to college, whose tuition I had to pay. And my motivation was to get that girl through college. And she was my person. And when I got to the boring parts where it's like, oh my God, I've edited this chapter six times. I can't possibly read it again. I would remember my person. Yes. And that is very motivating. So the next exercise is I want you to write down who your person is and why in one sentence. And then I want you to put that on a brand new page. And guess what that is? What is it? Acknowledgement. It's, it's right? dedication to your The book. dedication. Yep. I did yep. that. And I cried when I wrote mine. I know you did. It was, <laughs> it was profound. Yeah, it was, it was really, that was a very, like I said, all of the things you had me do, the only word I can describe it was powerful. Yeah. It was powerful. You made this fun. Yeah. Now when I got to the business side of it, I missed working with you on this side because this was so creative and fun. Then that side was a little different, you know? So the process at which that's why I want to bring you on the podcast, because the process at which you had me go through what was supposed to be also hard, which is this whole part is, was not hard for me. It was fun. You made it fun. One thing that I have a question for you, for the listeners right now, when a person wants to write a book, there's two different things that can happen. A person could be writing a nonfiction and then a fiction. So if a person is writing a nonfiction, how does that proposal look? And if someone's writing a fiction, how does that look? They're very similar, really similar. All, um, you know, all book deals start with a good, really good book proposal. And that's like a business plan that you send to agents and publishers that describe what the book is about, what it's going to include. Who are you? Why are you the person to write it? What is similar in the market, in the bookstore to your book? How is your book different and better? Mm -hmm. All of those things are included in both. The difference is there, there actually isn't all that much difference. Okay. I think that um, one big difference is that when you're writing nonfiction, you oftentimes need to bring in other experts or other resources to back up your fact-based information. Mm -hmm. Whereas fiction, you can make up anything you want. So I also think that, you know, the market is changing for books, but I think that it might be easier for some writers to get a first book deal with fiction, even if they don't have a really, really strong marketing platform or social media presence, than it is for nonfiction. Now, as I mentioned, nonfiction books take up most of the real estate in a bookstore, something like 80%. So publishers are looking for that 80%, maybe more than they're looking for the 20%. Um, 
And so marketing might need to be presented differently. Yeah. 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 But I also don't want people to get turned off about the idea of writing their books if they don't have a really big social media presence, because that's something you can build and grow. And I think that it's an artificial block to creating what you want to create. Create the material and the opportunities will come. Yeah. And I came when I did a lot of research on previous authors who were signed when I was going through my meetings. Um, a lot of them didn't have a big platform. So they were working on it. So yeah, you're 100% right. Don't don't get discouraged by that. Because I saw people have a great idea that publishers really wanted. And there's also, what do you feel about the, if someone goes, you know what, I want to do this, but I want to publish it myself? Well, I think this is a great time right now. I mean, better than ever before for people okay. to do publishing. Um, it used to be that the only people that did self-publishing were like, people that never had a chance to get a publishing deal, either they didn't have a good enough story or it wasn't relevant to the market or they belonged to certain demographics that simply didn't get signed. Mm-hmm. And so the only options they had were to use a self-publisher and then you know sell the books out of boxes in their garage. Now we've got Amazon Marketplace. We've got all kinds of ways that people can publish their books and sell them them, themselves. And the financial return can actually be pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so I'd say better than ever. Yeah, so the person that's listening, if they like, you know what, I wanna do self-publishing, that's also an option. But these steps that we're going over are still very powerful for them to go through, right? Because it would just help them dive into their book and have a clear plan with the book. Now, when it comes down to the proposal, before we actually did the proposal, we did another powerful exercise. We took, you made me, and I actually have it in my closet. I had yeah. a big white piece of paper and I draw in the middle of the circle, the yeah. title of my book. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Because this is, this is the, how do you get your idea out of your head and onto the page? Most people think you have to sit down at a blank computer page and just start writing. <laughs> yeah. That's impossible. I don't know how anybody does that. I mean, I'm sure some writers can do that. Yeah. No one I know can do that. <laughs> That's and what I thought. <laughs> yeah. And then we give it the fancy name writer's block. No, it's not writer's block. It's just not the way to start for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that not everybody has to start writing their book by actually writing or writing. For some people, the best way to start is recording. And we talked about that. Yes. That one of the ways to get through writer's block, which I don't actually believe in, um, is to just switch gears. If you can't hit the keyboard and get the words out, hit the page and try writing. If hitting the page doesn't get the words out, pop in your earbuds, take your phone, go for a walk, hit record, pretend you're on a phone call and tell yourself the story. Mm. then transcribe it get there's a lot of transcription services that will upload your recording and bring you back a word doc for pennies on the page super fast that's a good place to start Mm -hmm. but before you do that you got to get yourself a little bit organized and the way that we do that and i'm going to show you here but i know you're going to make it fancy for me right yeah okay so 
I am a big fan of graph paper. So you take a blank page, any page, but make it kind of big. And you're going to draw a circle in the middle. Of, well, that's not a circle. It's an oval in the middle of the page. And you're going to put the name of your book or your working title or simply my story in the middle of that circle. So that's what I'm doing here. My book. Okay. That's the center of all of this is you writing your book. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to make a kindergarten sun. So we're going to add 10 rays of the sun. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ooh, there's one, 10. Okay. Those rays are a little bit difficult to see, but the important thing is don't make them too long because you're going to write at the, at the end of each one of those. Okay. Then I tell you, I want you to take five minutes and I want you to write something down at the end of each one of those rays of the sun that you already know you want to include in your book. Now, it could be <clears throat> a little story. It could be an expert that you want to include. It could be an idea that you want to develop. It could be, there's another story. There's another part of it. I want you to write down 10 things you already know that you want to include and don't take more than five minutes. Mm -hmm. When I give people this exercise, most people knock out 10 things in two minutes, three minutes. Mm -hmm. It's already up there. All they needed to do was tag it on the page. And it doesn't have to be in order here, okay? Step one is just get it on the page. Any order that comes to you, put it out there. When you have filled up 10, if you feel like you need to do more, go for it. But if you get to 10 and you go, that's all I got right now, perfect. Add one more ray of the sun for the next good idea that comes to you and always leave space for more. Because once you've started this exercise and you've let some of this out, you're creating space for the rest of the creative process. Things will start bubbling up. Good ideas, mm -hmm. things you never thought of, new information will come in. And you, as soon as you possibly can, I want you to tag it in writing on a page so that it's real now. You've started, and it's not just this floaty idea. It's real, okay? So I haven't written anything here because I want readers to and listeners to write their own. But the next part of it, this exercise, is I want you to take one minute and put it in some sort of numeric order. It doesn't have to be linear. Like, we started here, we ended there. Not every story is written that way. But whatever makes sense to you at the moment, I want you to put it in order, okay? So you've got one, two, three, four, five, and so on, okay? When you've done that, the next part of this exercise is you flip the page and you write it down, okay? What came first? What came second? What came third? And so on until you get to 10. 
Okay. And then you take a look at that. And what do we call that? Your table of contents. Yep. So now we have a book title, even if all it is, is my book. We have your first page, which is your dedication to your reader. And we have your table of contents. Mm -hmm. We also call that an outline, but it's not really done yet because this is a start. But the next thing you do is you take chapter one, whatever that was, and you turn that into its own map. Okay. And you say chapter one. I think when I'm reading a chapter, five things is a lot. That's plenty. Some For some books, you need a lot more. For many chapters in your book that's coming out, we needed more than five. Mm-hmm. Um, but five is a good starting point. So you give yourself five rays of the sun. And I want you to put down, what are the five things I already know that I want to include in chapter one? So let's say for you, your chapter one was about your story. Mm-hmm. What were the five parts of your story that were really important? Mm -hmm. And you wrote those down. Your origin story, your education, your first opportunities, how you came to be writing a book. Those, this was all part of your chapter one. Mm -hmm. You do the same thing for chapter two, chapter three, all of them. They each get their own son. Okay. Then what you do is the same thing as you did the first time. You put them in some sort of order. At this point, you can move that table of contents to the computer, okay? And you add these rays of the sun under each chapter as bullet points, okay? Now you have a pretty darn good outline for writing your book. And each one of those bullet points translates into a writing session, okay? Hmm. Let's say that you have 10 chapters, And each chapter has five subsections or bullet points, as I call them. You add that up, you've got 50 sections to write. You've got 50 bullet points, okay? That's gonna be 50 writing sessions. You can take a look at that and you can say, okay, the average book is between 50 and 75,000 words. That's about average. Anything Mm -hmm. more than that, you're getting big, big. Anything less than that, maybe you're not covering it completely. That might not be true, but let's just play around with numbers. Let's say you have to write 50,000 words. That means that you've got a thousand words or about two computer pages for each section of your, um, each of the subsections or bullet points. That kind of tells you what it's gonna look like, how much space you wanna cover, and it gives you an idea of how long it's gonna take. Mm -hmm. You can write a thousand pages in an hour or two. A thousand words. Yeah, sorry, a thousand words. People will be like, what? A thousand pages? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, but you know, you could write, and they don't have to be good words. No. Yeah. You and I talked a lot about the first draft. Which yeah. You helped me a lot when it came down to it because I was overthinking about the whole thing. Yeah. And when you did this exercise with me, I actually transferred it over to a big 
like presentation piece of paper and mm -hmm. I did each chapter in a different Sharpie color and yep. I put it right on the wall behind this computer. And what I did is every day when I sat at my desk in the morning, I'll have a cup of coffee and I'll look at it and each, each thing that you said, each section, I would knock out a, a little section here and there, but yep. I was, I was having trouble because I was trying to be perfect for the first draft. And you're like, Nate, just throw it on there. I don't care if you made a mistake. I don't care for none of that. Even if we got on with our sessions one-on-one -on -one and we'll, we'll start the call and you'll have me type something and I'll share my screen, I would like try to fix little things and you'll stop me. Like, no, I don't want you to do that. We'll do that next time. Right yeah. now, just put it on paper. Yeah. And that was extremely helpful because I, I found a, lot, a flow of writing. Yeah. You know what every single writer does? Every one of us does this, is that we... We want it to be perfect, shiny, excellent, excellent right off the bat. And so we'll write that first paragraph, but we won't write the next one because we keep working on the first one. What I want writers to do is no, write the whole thing, write an entire first draft. And, you know, I, I use the, I don't know if you're, if I can say it, but you and I talked about the shitty first draft. Yeah. Yeah. Anne Lamott writes about that. She's, mm -hmm. you know, the great writer, Anne Lamott. Mm -hmm. And um, the importance of that, you have to put all the words out there, put out all the puzzle pieces in a big sloppy mess, get them all out there. And then, and that's the writing process. The next part is the editing process, entirely different process. First, give me all the words. Next, we'll clean them up. Yep. And the editing process takes way more time than the writing process because we're going to do it again and again and again until we get it exactly the way you want it. Mm -hmm. And, and it's if you try to make the first page perfect, you're never going to get to the last page. And that's one thing that's great about working with you is because not only did you coach me on how to do everything, but when it came down to the editing process, you did that with me as well. Yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah. And one was, thing I love about your editing process is that you don't, you don't take my voice out of what I want, you know, my voice out of the writing. No. Right. So no. it was, it, it, that was another great thing. So for people that are listening, if you do reach out for coaching, it's one thing you have to understand is that not only you're going to get coaching, but you have the option also to do the editing part. And, you know, I'm, we're also going to continue to work together with writing the book now, oh, which now is another great thing. A great deal. <laughs> right? So it's like a great process. So as you're doing this, you got me fired up because I was about to do another exercise to do my book all over again. I'm like, let me just prepare to write my book now. So let's just say a person has all these things filled out, right? Yeah. And now they're going through the editing process. At what point do they start to formulate the proposal if they are going traditional? And if they're not going traditional, is it really needed for them to do the proposal? What is your opinion on that? Well, <clears throat> I think that if you plan on being published traditionally, you know, with one of the big publishing houses, then it is more important to do your book proposal than it is to write your book. Because if your goal is publishing, and that is your primary goal, then it makes sense to me that you don't actually write the book until you're getting paid to write the book. Yep. Until you know that you have, excuse me, an ability to sell the book. The book proposal, 
a lot of writers go into it thinking that you write the whole book first and then you send the book around to agents. No, agents don't have time to read your book. They need your book proposal, which is going to include a synopsis of your book, which is the like, you know, when you you open a book and there's the inside cover is basically the summary of what the book is about. Yep. That's the synopsis. And you you write that first. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's I have ways of teaching people how to write a good synopsis. If you did it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do a few synopsis. We do a long one, a short one, and a one-liner. And Mm -hmm. the long synopsis is, you know, just imagine what is the story of your story that lives on the inside of that book. Mm -hmm. The shorter synopsis is the one that is going to go in all your emails, or it's going to be the one that's at the bottom of the pamphlet for where you're speaking. It's the, the one paragraph. Mm-hmm. And then the one liner is the answer to the question, what's your book about? Mm-hmm. You're not telling them everything. You're answering in one line. It's mm-hmm. your elevator pitch. So we work on that. Um, that's what a, bu- a book proposal includes, as well as all the other things that we talked about. Who's the author? How does it compare in the market? How are you? Who's your audience? All of those things. I think that it's more important to work on that than it is to work on the book. Mm-hmm. That said, the way that the process goes is you send a pitch a pitch letter or email to a bunch of agents that you want to rep your book. If they like it, they're going to say, hey, great, send me your book proposal. So you've already got your book proposal all ready to go and you send them that. If they look at your book proposal and they say, wow, this is really great. Can you send me chapters? <laughs> then you're going to send them two to three chapters of your book that are perfectly written as far as you're concerned. Mm-hmm. That's enough material for them to shop it around to publishers who will then present you with a book deal or mm-hmm. not. Yep. And that's yeah. exactly what we did. You prepared me for each of those steps. So you prepared me for the pitch. You prepared me. And the first person we pitched took us like they were, we, you know, I wanted to work with them and they loved it. And yeah. then that's what she did. She immediately said, okay, I want to see the full proposal. We sent the full proposal and she came back and she said, let's get on a call. So on the call, we discussed how we could work with each other. If I had any other questions, then we went through some more rounds of revisions. Uh, she wanted me to add some things based on where the market is at now. So you and I got back together. We started yeah. adding things, taking things out. Of course, you were the one that did a lot of the editing again for that. Then we resent it. And then she was happy with it. And she goes, okay, we're going to shop it. And then that's what she did. She shopped, she pitched publishers and editors and then they, in the same process with them. And then when an editor is interested in your book, they, we set it up for us to have meetings first. So my agent and I would get on the meetings, we'll talk, and then they'll take that back to their team and then go through a whole process. And then they'll, they'll let us know if they're in, they're going to give us an offer or not. So it's a long process. You're mm-hmm. actually being paid to write your book. Yes. Then now we've got four, five, six months, whatever it is that that you agree to, and we'll write the rest of the book. But we already have the outline. We've already done all of the chapter summaries. We know exactly what you're going to write because that's the material you sold to the publisher. So now, you know, you and I were just recently talking about that. Writing the book's actually a little bit easier than writing the 
the proposal. proposal. Yeah. So the other question was, if you're going to self-publish, do you need to do a proposal? Yeah, I think so. Maybe you don't have to make it quite as formal, but it's like a business plan. And yes. if you're going to publish your book and you want it to sell, then you need to have a business plan of how it's going to work, who you're selling it to. You, you, have to, you have to figure that stuff out. It was extremely helpful. Like I, when I, the other day, yesterday, I picked up my proposal and went through it. And I'm like, okay, because now I got to write the book, right? So now we're, we're, we're waiting for the go to write the book. Pretty yeah. sure we have to meet with the editor, see if she wants to make any changes. But I got the proposal now and I just open up that proposal, go through each summary and start writing away. So I, I, see, I see it being a huge benefit if they were to make a proposal. It's it, Like you said, it's a business plan. It's also you get everything out on the paper and then now you, when it's time to write, there's not a lot of pressure or overthinking. That's a part right. of that. Yeah. There is something that, um, I don't know if it's a question you're going to ask me, but a question that I get a lot is, does everybody have a book to sell? Does everybody have a story that's, that could go into the market? And I think the answer to that is yes, if. A lot of people come to me with a story that is generated out of trauma, mm. um, especially people that want to write self-help or memoir, it's because they've really been through something. And I think you can relate as readers will find out when they buy your book. Yeah. And these are really, really important stories to tell, especially now that we live in an era where of the internet, where anybody can tell their story. I mean, you can publish your own mini story on Instagram and share it. And I think that, yes, every single human being has a story worth telling. The if part comes in, but I don't want you to just bum me out. Mm -hmm. I need you to give me something that came out of it that is good. I went through this horrible experience. Please don't leave me there. I've had my own horrible experiences. Please tell me what you learned or what I will learn from it. So I went through this horrible experience and out of it, I learned this and this and all of this happened. Mm -hmm. Please tell me that. Otherwise, you're just going to bum me out. And that is a story that is not going to sell. Mm -hmm. You can tell it, but you may not be able to sell it. Mm -hmm. So when you're at the point where you're thinking about creating your story, Make sure that some of the rays of the sun on your map are in the uplift. What is your reader going to get out of it that is valuable to them? Because believe me, life is hard for all of us. It's hard. I'm looking for somebody to tell me how to make it more livable, mm -hmm. joyful, easier, practical. You know, teach me. Mm -hmm. Show me. But please don't bum me out. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah, you're looking for a solution. Like yeah. you can find some relatability um, in books, but like I'm looking for solutions when I read books, just like I'm looking for solutions, even like if I'm buying a course or anything I'm giving time to, we're looking for some solution. So you got me in because it's relatable, but what did you do? So that's very powerful. Yeah. What would you say to the people that are listening that think that, oh, you know what? Maybe my book is 
why do I need to make a book? I do have something I can talk about or teach people, but you know, there's a thousand other books like that. Why, why, why would mine, you know, matter? Okay. We're back to the bookstore experiment, aren't we? Yep. Specifically Barnes and Noble, because they have those great big library <laughs> desks and, you know, you, you walk in the store and they have all those big flat tables that have 40 books on them and they, here's your summer reads, your nutrition and diet. And you, okay. So let's say you go up to the nutrition and diet table and you're looking at those 40 books. Not all of them are going to grab you. Not all of them are written for you, but one of them is. Mm -hmm. Reason why you should write your story, even though there's 40 other books on that table is because there's a reader out there that needs what you have to offer. Historically, books have been written with really, really strict gatekeepers. The publishers have been the ones who have decided who gets to tell their stories, what stories do readers get to hear, and it's been real limited. Over time, historically, it's been a very limited number of stories, perspectives, races, cultures, genders. It's been real limited. Mm -hmm. More now, we have the opportunity for more and more and more people to represent their stories and get them on those tables. And it's important. It's really important because we live in this age of infinite knowledge, and people are really, really hungry to find the information that's been out there forever. I mean, there really isn't anything all that new. Mm -hmm. But there's new ways to tell it that make it relevant to readers that are hungry for it. Mm -hmm. No? No, yeah, that's beautiful. No, I agree. I tell clients all the time, usually you get a client that, you know, wants to be a coach. And they're like, well, there's a bunch of coaches. I'm like, yeah, but your story, the way you look, how you were raised, your way of speaking, the way you stand, you are going to attract people to you differently than I'm going to attract people to me. Yes. Right. Yes. So if, you know, just because there's a bunch of people doing it or there's a bunch of books doesn't mean that, you, you know, if you do something, it's not going to do anything. No, it is. People are going to be attracted to you because of you at the end of the right. day and your story. Yeah. There's one more writer we haven't discussed, and this is a really important writer. It's the one who has no interest in being published at all. And I oh. have a lot of respect for these writers because they know that they are writing their story for themselves. And it is such a powerful process of really understanding your own story, history, journey, goals, dreams, what you want. It's such an important and powerful way to process your life, your traumas. Mm -hmm. And so I have people come to me to write their stories, but they know they don't want it out there. Oh, wow. That's and, awesome. And it's important. Sometimes they end up going on and you know, going for publishing, but oftentimes what they do is they say, I did it. I wrote that. I'm closing the chapter. I'm ready for the next page. Mm. That's powerful. That's, That's actually very powerful. The most powerful work that I get to do. Wow. And what about people that come to you? How about someone listening now? It's like, you know, what? maybe not a book just yet, but I just want to start publishing blogs. 
professional yeah, yeah, yeah. emails. So do, are they allowed to reach out to you if they just want to do blogs and emails? Oh, and yeah, yeah. Nature? That's so much fun. Yeah. What I really like to do with um, people that want to do blogs or maybe they want to get into website or, or magazine publishing is it's a very similar activity. We decide who's your listener, you know, or who's your reader. We do a, you know, a sun map experiment. Mm -hmm. But I think that the most powerful way for people to get started with that kind of thing is to decide what their message is. What is it that they actually want to teach people through their blog, say, or their podcast, for instance? Um, if they just want it to be like, oh, this is my day. This is what I'm, you know, here's my coffee on the table or whatever. Fine. That's fine. There's that's Instagram. That's TikTok. We're good with that. Yep. But if what you want is to convey a message through your blog or you want it to be on a specific subject, then I think that there's really a lot to be said about planning it out in advance in sort of two or three, like you could do two blogs on a subject and you've actually really conveyed some valuable information mm -hmm. rather than it just being random. I also think it's super important to be consistent and show up on your blog regularly, like once a week. Mm. Uh, otherwise it's going to dwindle and fizzle and away it goes mm -hmm. so you come up with a blog plan or a content plan so that you know i'm going to write about this today and i'm going to post it on this day you don't have to get to the page and go nothing happened this week i don't know yep yeah so planning I think, is important i think that if you know having you by my side during this process knowing that if i have a meeting with you next wednesday Mm -hmm. And I had a homework assignment, like to get, you know, part of the chapter done. The accountability is everything. Balanced with this fact that it's really hard to create something new when we all have lives. We have yep. to work. We have to do the laundry. We have, you know, our parents need something. Life yep. happens to us and yep. we're still trying to squeeze it in. And sometimes you'd come to me, Nate, on the days and you'd say, I didn't get it done and you'd feel so bad. And it's like, honey, just stop it. Let's yeah. just today. Okay. This yep. is school. This is your life. It wasn't homework. This is your book. We're creating it as you're living. So you can't. There was a time last year. Yeah. Exactly around this time. Um, I had something that I, we wanted to get done. I had a workshop in New Jersey. Yeah. I just put a down payment on a house yeah. and I met with you in my Airbnb. I remember this day like it was yesterday and I get on and you were like, how are you? I'm like, oh, I'm good. And then you stop and he's like, how are you? And I was like, oh man, I'm stressed. You know, I, I did this, I did that. And you, you said, Nate, when you write this book, I don't want you rushing it. It's very important work. You can't do this from rushing. You have to do this from creativity. It's a little different. And you were basically teaching me the way I live my life that got me to this point is cool, but the way I'm going to write this book has to be from a different energy, right? Yes. And yes. that was really, really moving for me. I was like, wow, I never thought of it like that. So, yeah. you know, you were very, and you will always say, Nate, life happens. So if you can get this done, you can, you, you, let's try to get this done by next week. But remember, life happens, life happens. So you're the reason why when I was talking to my agent and she said, can you get the book in at this time? 
I requested a little more time because your voice was in my head saying, Nate, life happens. Yes, it does. (laughs) And sometimes you thought that you should cancel our next session because you didn't do your homework. Mm -hmm. And I would tell you, no, Mm -hmm. just do it together. Mm -hmm. We're just going to sit down today and do it together. We're fine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This is fine. Yeah. Yeah. You're, 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 I'm excited to get, you know, get to work with this book with you. And I've been telling you for a long time, I'm like, I can't wait to get you on the podcast. I want to share, you know, my experience with you. And it's, I'm telling you, for someone that has reading issues and writing issues growing up, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where my brain and my focus was going, I was only looking at that side. Mm-hmm. You didn't really, you didn't judge me. You didn't care for that. You showed me what I was good at and you worked on with me from that perspective. And that was, you know, I was excited and I am excited anytime we come on these calls and we get to work with each other and I'm not afraid. And I wasn't afraid during the process because I knew I had you in my corner. If something weird was going on or I had questions about certain things, I updated you every step of the, the book process. And even if like it was quiet, you'll check in on me. Hey, how are you? How's everything? Thinking of you. It was just, it meant a lot. So um, I appreciate you more than you know. Oh, that's really lovely. I appreciate that a lot. And I appreciate you too. And I don't think I've ever had a writer come to me as motivated as you've been, which mm-hmm. I've actually had to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I also think that most writers come with just a suitcase full of doubts and it's been placed there by teachers and grades and comparison. And it's really important for people to know everybody's like this. Everybody is like this. And, and we've been taught that way as part of the gatekeeping process to limit who gets to tell their stories and whose stories we consider valuable. And mm-hmm. all of that is bullshit. Everybody <laughs> has a story to tell. And we live in the golden age where everybody can get published somehow. Even yeah. if it's, you know, they put out their own YouTube videos and it goes to a hundred people. Well, guess what? That's a hundred people who are going to have your story in their head. It's going to influence their thinking they're probably going to share it somehow with other people. It exponentially ripples out. Yes. And that's even if, you know, you've got 10 people. Mm-hmm. You are being generous to share yourself, especially if you have a take-home message. Mm-hmm. It's that's very true. So how do people get, I'm going to put all your information down below, but how do people reach out to you? And what does the process look like for new people that want to work with you? Yeah. Well, uh, just email me, gene at genefaulkner.com. And that's a complicated name to spell. So make sure that that information- I'll put everything in the description. Yeah, yeah. Um, And start there, just send me an email. And I like to start with people with like a 20 minute, just let's chat for free. Yep. Um, And we'll just decide if we want to work together, if you've got something that, you know, I'm not a match for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we decide together if it's a project we want to work on. And then we do our first session, which is our longest session. It's an hour and a half. And we do these exercises together. 
And even if you've listened to this podcast and you've sketched it out at home, we're going to do it together anyways, um, because it might be different face-to-face with me than it is just messing around at home. So we do a lot of planning in that first session. And then we work together weekly, every other week. It really depends on your goals, what you want to achieve, how fast you want to move, how busy you are in your life. I have some writers where we're working together twice a week. I mean, we're, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, it's a weekly thing or every other week. Mm-hmm. And that's for an hour. And, and, you know, with each session, we have a to-do list that I have you write down. And it's not your homework. It's your goals <laughs> that you're trying to achieve. And, um, you know, sort of your action plan for how to get from this step to this step to this step. And we carry it through until we're complete. Yep. I do. Have, I do have some writers who already have book deals, and they kind of got themselves into the middle of it, and they don't know what to do. So then we hash it out, and we come up with another organized plan, and we get the book written. Yep. I have a lot of people who all they want to do is they want to improve their writing. They are not goal oriented. They just want to write. And so I work with people on that too. Awesome. Yeah. I say if people are interested, even after listening to the exercise you brought them through, it's nothing like actually going through the exercises with you. Yeah. It's <laughs> if you would have. sure why, but it just is. Oh, I was stuck on a lot of things. Like I'm like, I would stop, you know, from, you know, going through the exercise and ask a question and you'll simplify, it, simplify. It. So mm-hmm. it's nothing like working with you one-on-one. And like I said, I mean, we got the deal and I'm coming back and, you know, they asked me to like, yeah, you got got more than one deal too. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and, but when they, they said, they're like, are you going to work someone? I said, yes, I am. I have a coach. (laughs) I was so confident. Like, yep. I got somebody because, you know, the, you know, in my position, in my situation, the, my editor at the book publishing company, you know, she wants to make sure, you know, she just wants to make sure that, you know, I'm going to get the job done. And she's very confident on that. But she wanted to see if I needed any additional help and things like that. And I was very confident knowing that I have somebody like you in my corner. So, um, yeah, if people, if you're interested, I'm going to have all the information, all your information down in the description. And, um, yeah, well, thank you for coming on to Be Great With Nate. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a lot of questions from this. A lot. So if we have a lot of questions, I may want to do a part two if you're fine with that. Just going through the Q&A with you. Um, But, yeah, I'll have all your information down below. Thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Much fun. It's always good to see you, Nate.